It's called the black man is God. It's called the black man is God. Next hour. This is for the children. You know what I'm saying? I got this idea from myself, of course, but this is for the children. I got this prediction. This will be the biggest upset in all of fighting history. The easiest fight of my life. You think your cousin can with me? You really do? Anybody on your one? Anybody in my family? gentlemen viewers listeners of the preseason podcast of the year this is uncharted territory ladies and gentlemen this is uncharted territory that's right normally here at the hip-hop sports report podcast around this time of year we like to do something called the mark draft which i'm sure all of you are quite familiar with and fond of however this year is a little bit different because my favorite team the favorite team of our guest at the Mark Draft every year, Mark Hicks, the Cleveland Browns, not only are they not picking in the top 10, they're not picking in the first round at all, y'all. This is this is brand new. We, we've never seen anything quite like this before, but we're going to do a Mark Draft anyways. It's the preseason podcast of the year, y'all. Jay Hicks is back. Uh, I got my man Mark Hicks here with us for yet another Mark Draft for the 2019 NFL Draft taking place on Thursday. Happy Easter to everybody out there. Today is uh, Sunday night, April 21st of 2019. Mark, how you feeling, man? How's your Easter going? What's going on, cousin? Happy Easter to you. It, yeah, it's going, going great. I've been uh, visiting family all day long, but uh, for the most part, I mean, it's been, it's been a good day. It's been a pretty, it's been a great day, and it'll be even a greater day come uh, next Thursday night for a few teams, and, and one in particular, the Cleveland Browns. Uh, well, you think it's going to be a great day for the Browns on Thursday? Yeah, because um, I honestly think, and I know we we probably gonna go uh, dig deeper into it, but I honestly think that there will probably be somebody that the Browns will want that is going to be lying there in the back end of the first round, and I think they're going to trade back up into the first round. You mean like the time the Browns traded up to get Brady Quinn? <laughs> you mean like the time the, the time the Browns traded up to get Johnny Manziel? You mean the time? <laughs> <laughs> More importantly, I feel like they, they this time they they have somebody named, like John Dorsey pulling the trigger. You know what I'm saying? So I think we have a little more I faith agree. in him than we have in Phil Savage or uh, who was in charge with Johnny. It was a uh, brother, man. Uh, uh, Ray Farmer. Ray Farmer. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I met Ray Farmer yeah. one time. He he looked like his days were numbered when I met him. Anyway. <laughs> 
I kid you not. I kid you. True story. Um, but anyways, uh, so yeah, NFL draft is here. Um, it's this week taking place. I think it's in Nashville, if I'm not mistaken. And so uh, we're going to go ahead and, and jump right into the top 10. For those of you new to the mark draft, I mean, this is like literally like the fifth year we've done it, man. So thank you for riding with us uh, and rocking out with us for five years if y'all are uh, not strangers to, to this process. But basically, we know that mock drafts are dumb and they don't have any they don't make any sense. Shame on CBS.com. CBSSports.com has really gone out of their way to position themselves as draft gurus because they know that thirsty draft hungry fans of bum franchises can't help but click, 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 click anytime they post a new piece that says mock draft. So what CBS did was they hired like 15 different guys and they all do mock drafts. And I even saw, uh, it's just shameful, Mark. I even saw seven round mock drafts. I can't think of a more fantastic waste of time than a seven round mock draft. That's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, it's, it's basically like you basically at that point, you, you mock the first round. And then after that, you just do like a simulator for best player available after that. Cause there's no rhyme or re- like there's, there's a thousand reasons why a seven round mock draft is just the dumbest thing you've ever seen on the internet. There's just no value in it whatsoever. It's not worth the time of you clicking on it, but CBS sports doesn't care. They, they have no shame in anything that they're doing over there. So, be that as it may, what we do here at Hip Hop Sports Report is we try to focus on what these teams ought to be doing with their picks rather than what they will do. Because trying to predict what they will do is an exercise in futility. We know that. What should they be doing, though? And that's where Mark Hicks comes into play. He brings his expert analysis each and every spring to this process. So we appreciate you, Mark. And we're going to get started with the Arizona Cardinals. They're on the clock right now at 3-13. and 13. There's been a lot of buzz and speculation that... Kyler Murray, the um, bite, the bite-sized quarterback from uh, Oklahoma, is going to be the number one pick in the draft. In spite of the fact that the Cardinals just picked the QB last year and Josh Rosen, there's a lot of questions about Kyler. But the Cardinals have a new coach in Cliff Kingsbury, who's on record back in January saying that if I had the number one pick, I'd absolutely take Kyler Murray number one. And then a few weeks later, he gets the freaking job. Like, how does that happen? He gets the job of the team that's picking first. And, um, and, and, and granted, you know, this team is going to need an, uh, an injection of life into their offense because they were by far the worst offense in football last year. So, Mark, it seems like it's a done deal for Kyler Murray, but it, nothing official has been released as of this recording. What do you think the Cardinals should do with the number one overall pick? Well, my personal opinion, and we talked about this last year, um, who we felt was the best quarterback coming out in the 2018 draft, and that person uh, unanimously between the two of us was Josh Rosen. Right. Um, And my thing is, is that nothing has changed for me. The biggest problem I have with the whole situation is the fact that, you know, it's not necessarily about talent all the time. It's also about fit. And when you when you take a guy like Josh Rosen, you put him in a pedestrian offense like he had in Arizona with no weapons. Uh, the offensive line was trash. He was basically trying to run for his life. And then you sit there, and then all of a sudden now he's no good after after one season. I just think that's just – I think that's a bogus argument. And you can bring in Cliff uh, Kingsbury and everybody else to try to run this type of offense, and they can say all this stuff about Kyler Murray. Um, I don't think that personally um, – I would look in that direction. If I were the Arizona Cardinals, I would look at something 
different with the number one pick. Either one or two things. You either try to trade out of that pick for someone who wants Kyler Murray, or in this case, if I'm stuck there, which in this case I'm going to be stuck there, I'm taking in what, who, in my opinion, is the best player in this draft. That's a non-quarterback, and that person is Nick Bosa from Ohio State. Um, and the reason I would pick him, even though he didn't play last year, he, when he's healthy, he is the most dominant defensive player in this draft. And not just defensive player, he is the most dominant player of any position in this draft coming out if he's healthy. Now, that's a big if, you know. Uh, if he's yeah, he had some real injury issues, real injury issues last year. Without question. And but I mean, I looked at the potential of him, and I look at his brother uh, Joey, and I, I, and I can't help but think he's going to be a dominant uh, edge rusher. Um, no matter what defense you play, you play him in. I think he's going to he's going to put pressure on the quarterback. He's going to cause disruption. He's going to cause sacks. He's going to cause turnovers. He is going to do everything possible to try to get uh, Arizona at least to the point where they are, are are not looked at as a laughing stock or or basically well <laughs> well right. you know you say that mark but you know a lot of us are still laughing right now um so it's funny that you mentioned this uh, i i you know we we went on record saying that Josh Rosen was the best prospect in last year's draft i stand by that i'm doubling down on that and i know baker mayfield had a tremendous rookie season but we also know, and we'll talk about the Browns a lot later on, that that a lot of that was a product of the poor teams that the Browns had on their schedule. And Baker feasted on a bunch of bad defenses and struggled against the good defenses. And even he, with even with the midseason coaching change and all that turmoil that was happening in Cleveland, even Baker had more support than Josh Rosen did last year. Funny thing about Rosen, actually, uh, I wrote a piece out on Hip Hop Sports Support about the Rosen-Kyler Murray conundrum that is faced facing the Cardinals at this uh, at this time. Here's a few just quick tips on Josh Rosen. So just so you guys understand what it was that he was up against last year, he was thrown into his first action with less than five minutes to go in the fourth quarter against the NFL's best defense. That was his introduction to NFL football. And that was against the bears in his fifth game uh, in the NFL following his fifth game in the NFL his offensive coordinator was fired. And of course, Steve Wilkes was the head coach of the Cardinals last year. He's a defensive minded coach, so he's not going to help Rosen too much. They ended up putting Byron Leftwich in an offensive coordinator who I believe had never been a coordinator or called plays before. Um, How much help is he really giving him? Steve Wilkes was a lame duck head coach. Uh, He was a defensive coach who's now the defensive coordinator with the Browns, ironically enough. And from there, Outside of Larry Fitzgerald, like what did he have going on from a, a weapon standpoint at the skill positions? Um, his receiving core was the worst in football. They ranked, well, actually, they ranked 31st of 32 teams uh, going into last season, according to Pro Football Focus. And uh, here's a funny stat, too, from ESPN's Bill Barnwell. Uh, he used an NFL's Next Gen stats that as of mid December, only 34.4% of Rosen's throws went to open receivers, which was the worst rate in the league for quarterbacks with at least 200 pass attempts. And to take it a step further, they had the worst offensive line in football, Mark. Their offensive line, they hit not one starter who started the season with the Cardinals finished the season with Rosen under center. They had more lineup changes 
at the offensive line than any other team in football. There was no there was no possible way for Josh Rosen to succeed. And so for people to stand here and act like he's the problem or that he screwed up, it's 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 insane. It's insane how little support this guy got. Now, having said all of that, they did go out and hire Cliff Kingsbury, yeah. who didn't do particularly well. He got fired from his you know mid-tier uh, Big 12 college job and somehow parlayed that into an NFL head coaching job. I have no idea. He has the best agent ever, that guy. Um, but I don't, I don't understand how... Um, well, let's put it this way. You you bring in Cliff Kingsbury, and it still does make sense to try to find a quarterback that you can tailor his offense to, right? Like, I mean, if 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 Rosen's not the best fit for the Arizona offense with Kingsbury, even if Rosen's getting a raw deal, Mark, why would Arizona hang on to him if he's not the best fit and if Kyler Murray's a better fit? That's a very good question, and... That was that was the only person who could actually answer that question would be would be the coach because at this point his it's his offense he knows what type of offense he wants to run and and quite honestly I think the skill set of of a Kyler Murray would actually do well in that system I'm what I'm not convinced is is that I don't think that Josh Rosen is inferior to the point where he can't can't run that system either they would just have to run it a different way and that comes back to the philosophy of the coach and his his ability to try to tailor his offense to the skills of his quarterback instead of trying to get a quote-unquote quarterback to fit his system and you know because that type of rigidness, rigidness never really works in pro football you have to be able to adapt on a run based on the personnel that you have you you basically mentioned also that you, his wide receivers failed to get separation, which is which is a lot of a lot of problems as to why Rosen couldn't get uh, couldn't throw to open receivers because none of them could get open, um, and their route running you know besides Fitzgerald was atrocious. And then you have and then when you don't have time to throw like in the office like the office of line situation that they have, of course he's going to be a problem. And but I don't see any of that improving immediately. Even with Kyler Murray, the only difference is with him is because of his mobility, and Rosen's more like a statue back there to a certain degree. Uh, at least Murray could could extend the plays with his legs or try to try to you know find an open receiver and and, and have more time to will and deal in the in the backfield uh, and avoid the rush. Um, but at the same time, you know it. Yes, the quarterback can make a big difference with with the whole team and not just the offense. But you know you have to have the other other pieces and parts available, and it just for me it just doesn't look like you know there's no offensive tackle that you should take at number one, or any type of offensive lineman you can take at number one um, to help counter that. But I do believe, like like you had just mentioned, the offensive line was a problem, and they're going to build that up through the rest of the draft. You know, it's funny about what you said about um, Murray's escapability, and he's incredibly mobile. But I, I like I love how like you hear you hear you'll hear commentators say stuff like, "Well, the Cardinals had a bad offensive line, so you just stick Kyler Murray back there and problem solved." It's like, no, it doesn't work like that. No, that's not how that works. You, you, if you if you, it doesn't matter if the quarterback is mobile or not, if you put a trash line back there, he's going to get killed. That's just the nature. Of it. I don't care if it's Mike Vick back there; he's going to get killed if the line stinks. He's going to run every play like Lamar Jackson. See how long that lasts in Baltimore. You know what I mean? 
Um, yeah, we'll see that. Yeah, and so and Kyler Murray, for those of you who don't know, is like grossly undersized to the point that I'm not convinced that he doesn't wear lifts in his shoes. Like, <laughs> like there there was even speculation that they cooked the books at the combine because he was so small. But in order to make him appear taller than what he was, that that they had fudged those numbers a little bit. Like, if that rumor even exists, you know the dude is a shrimp. You know what I mean? Like, I, right. I it's it's going to be a problem. I don't see Murray staying healthy. I, I, I'm skeptical of quarterbacks who just get cranked out of a system like that and, and just put up massive numbers. I mean, how many Oklahoma quarterbacks have we seen put up massive numbers? We saw um, a lot of guys under Bob Stoops put up big numbers, and now uh, we see Lincoln Riley take over. Baker Mayfield put up huge numbers in college. That's one reason why I was skeptical that his game would translate to the NFL. It did, and then the next guy that follows Baker Mayfield, he wins the Heisman Trophy just like Baker does. That doesn't necessarily mean that uh, Kyler Murray's skill set is going to translate to the NFL just because Baker Mayfield's did. Now, so I mean, for me, that that's my area of concern. Is just I, I'm just not really a hundred percent sold that Murray's skills are going to transfer. And then people are using Baker as evidence as to why his skills will transfer. I don't see it that way. And the Cardinals' yeah. offensive line is so so terrible with an with a line that atrocious it doesn't matter who's back there you can put Usain Bolt back there he's gonna get killed right I think I also agree with you with the fact that you know Baker had a lot more to work with than what than what uh Rosen or in this case Kyler Murray if he was drafted there would have over there in Arizona they he has a lot he had a lot more from a skill position standpoint an offensive line standpoint to work with and to help him be successful. Plus, people people tend to forget that football IQ is is very very important when it comes to being a quarterback as well, as well and as think, leadership. You know, and he don't really yeah. appear to be a leader either, Murray. No, he doesn't. He no, he doesn't. He just happened to be the the best athlete on the team. And I, I guess that's the best way to put it. He was the best athlete on the team, so and at the most important position. So they just. Gra- so they gravitated to him because they know he could make a play. But I think it's those intangibles that make that also make or break a quarterback when as they go further into from the from the college ranks into the league. And I just I don't I don't hundred percent feel that he has all of that. I mean I could be wrong. I was wrong wrong to a certain degree about Baker, but I think that those are those are that uh, intangibles and things are, are, are important things for for him going forward. That that really is going to need to shine for him to be successful in the league. Yeah, man. Um, and not to mention the fact that he's so good of an athlete that he got drafted in the top 10 by the Oakland Athletics. And if he chooses to up and just quit and play baseball, that option still exists okay. for him. Right. right. Let's move on to the second pick then, the, the uh, San Francisco 49ers, the 4-12 and Niners pick second. You know, uh, Jimmy GQ, you know, everybody's favorite quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, got hurt in week three. And then that was pretty much it for the Niners last season. So basically what I take that to mean is I think that this team is a lot better than their number two overall pick would suggest. But, um, you know, they, they, and they had a tough schedule last year too. They faced the Rams and Seahawks twice. That's four games against playoff teams. They faced the bears, they faced the chiefs and they faced Aaron Rodgers. So, I mean, that's not an easy slate. Um, they've added some 
nice pieces. They added Tevin Coleman in the backfield. Their backfield was banged up with Matt Breida and Jarek McKinnon last year. Those guys are theoretically going to be back healthy. And then they added Quan Alexander and D Ford to the defense. So I like what the Niners are doing. Uh, the Reuben Foster thing, which we made a big deal about him a couple of years ago on the mark draft, that didn't pan out. So that's one on me. That you know, you want to put that again on my resume as one that didn't work out. You can go ahead and add Reuben Foster to that list, uh, provided that he provided that he doesn't work out with uh, the Redskins. But um, where do you see the Niners going, or where should they go? Well, personally, and you know, I preface this by saying if. For whatever reason, if if the Cardinals take Kyler Murray first, number one overall, then then uh, Nick Bosa would be the be my pick for the Niners. But because I, I mean, because it's the mark drafting, because I'm picking for I'm picking for the uh, Cardinals, and I actually pick smarter than them. So instead of getting a quarterback, <laughs> I go with Bosa at one. So for for, for the Forty ers I think their play is that they. Two areas of need that really are that they, they grossly are underperforming at one is the defensive line, and two is their wide receiving core. So the wide receiving core, I think they will because it's such a deep draft for wide receivers. I think they can pick that up starting with the second round. So for them, I'm going to take Quinton Williams, the defensive tackle from Alabama, with the second pick in the draft. Hearing a lot of great things about Quinton Williams. Um... You know, these Alabama guys, it's funny, when they go to the NFL, they're not quite as much of a slam dunk as you would think that they are. Like, everybody kind of assumes that, oh, he went to Bama. That dude is great. Like, their success rate is not, you know, they send more guys to the league than anybody. They have more guys going the first round than anybody. But their success rate in terms of cranking out high-quality NFL players is not as great as you would think. But everybody kind of seems to be of the belief that Quentin Williams is great. And you put him on that line with DeForest Buckner, and like I said, D Ford is there now. You got Quan Alexander in the middle. Um, that that team is coming along, and so I, I think that's a, a the Niners situation is looking up for sure. By the way, I wanted to point out to everybody listening that we've had some audio difficulties on the podcast of late, and I apologize for that. We're working hard to get that rectified, and we appreciate your patience throughout this process. Right, so and that's my little disclaimer that I'm just going to toss out right now. As a matter of fact, um, on our last, uh, you know, Nipsey Hussle tribute podcast that uh, we did with Kenneth Hicks just uh, a few days ago, um, that one it definitely sounded like I was doing some auto tune or something like that. I apologize for that. This one is going to have, we has our own technical issues with this. Mark, no, I was getting my MacGyver on before we started recording tonight. So uh, I'm doing all I can to make it work, y'all. So I appreciate y'all riding with us. The Jets are picking third then. Um, of course, they added uh, Le'Veon Bell and C.J. Mosley, um, big main, big ticket free agent acquisitions. Uh, Adam Gates is their new head coach, kind of a splashy hire. He was from Miami up to New York, staying in the division. Uh, Robbie Anderson broke out last year. Jamal Adams is a great young player. And, of course, Sam Darnold is entering his second season after a very, very underrated rookie campaign, in my estimation. He did, he did get hurt, but he had a good year. And he shows promise uh, at quarterback. The Jets were four and twelve last year when they replaced Todd Bowles. So, what do you think they're going to do at three? I agree with you about um, about the fact that they uh, had good, good quarterback play from Sam Darnold. A very underrated season for a rookie, and I and I, I I give him a lot of credit for the Jets. Though I'm looking at them, and their biggest problem, and one of the reasons why Todd Bowles was fired because he was a defensive coach and his defense sucked. So a big problem. Yeah, that'll do it. Their 
pretty much. When you're not good at what you're supposed to do, supposed to be good at, then you're going to get fired. So, yep. um, in this particular case, um, a lot of the, the defensive problems for the Jets was a lack of pass rush. So, for me, I'm going to look at their their defensive line or, or their edge rushers, and I'm going to get, in, in my opinion, probably is the second best um, edge rusher in the draft, and that to me is Josh Allen, the it's funny now they just call these dudes edge like if you look up josh right. allen like his position is just edge now it's like when did that become a position like i've been watching football for 30 years that edge was never a position until like last year now it's just edge right. exactly. he's on the edge he's he's just edge like he's like edge guy, whatever. yeah uh, what is what does that mean is it is it edge the wrestler is is, is he gonna spear the quarterback <laughs> What's, what's about to happen here? Um, the only edge I know is the, is the shaving cream. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Right. Pretty much what I know. Right. Anyways, Josh Allen's a hell of a football player, though. And Kentucky, I don't know, man. Maybe it's the blue and white uniforms. Uh, and I know Kentucky's an SEC school. But for some reason, Josh Allen, I'm just reminded of of uh, Khalil Mack when he came out of Buffalo. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just I don't know what it is about him, but just I, I'm not even saying that he's going to be Khalil Mack or anything like that, but I just have that in my head when I when I think about Josh Allen. Uh, they don't take Kentucky football seriously. I mean, think they had a good it. year. They had Jared Lorenz in there for crying out loud. That's, that's all you need to know about Kentucky football. They had a damn good year, though. <laughs> they had a good year this past year, and Josh Allen yes, had a lot to do with it. Um, so that, I think that would be a solid pick also. It's funny because the Jets are constantly going defense, but – in the first round, anyways, except with the exception of Darnold, pretty much. But um, you know that that yeah, he's probably the best player available at that point. And if you're gonna, if you're gonna, you know, I mean, it, it makes sense to. I mean, if you if you everybody wants to put weapons around a quarterback, but if you help build a great defense, then you're still helping your quarterback. So you know, people people fail to look at it like that a lot of times. Uh, picking fourth are the Oakland Raiders, also at four and twelve. Um, the John Gruden experiment. Uh, well, I guess it went as planned if you if you had a brain last year because you knew that Gruden was going to struggle out the gate, and he did after he got rid of Khalil Mack for no good reason, and then he gets rid of uh, he or he oversaw the the jettisoning of uh, Amari Cooper midseason. Um, him and Derek Carr didn't really seem to click a hundred percent, and the the year is pretty much a disaster. They're still moving to Vegas, but they didn't even secure a place to play until like last week. <laughs> for the next year or two because the Vegas thing ain't even ready yet. And so it's it's really just kind of a weird circumstance for the Raiders, but um, they somehow still went ahead and traded for Antonio Brown for, I mean, reasons I think we're still not quite sure. I mean, he's a great player, but it's like if you had Amari Cooper, I mean, Antonio Brown's an upgrade over Amari Cooper, but, you know, they had to bring in Amari Cooper and, and give up a couple picks to get him and then give him a bag of money. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. How, that doesn't help them for the long haul. It definitely helps them for the right now, but right now they're not prepared to win. So why go all in on a wide receiver? It seemed like a weird move, but and then they hired Mike Mayock, the draft guru. Uh, I'm using air quotes when I say guru uh, from NFL Network to run the team now. So you're Mike Mayock all of a sudden, Mark Mayock. Who are you picking at four? <laughs> well, I. The, funny, the, the most ironic thing about it was, and I know he was trying to say it tongue-in-cheek, but when Gruden sat up there and told uh, Mike Mayock, you know, don't screw this up. You know, I got you all these picks, basically. Don't screw this up. Well, you know what? He didn't need to have all of these picks. Um, yeah, three first-rounders really, for the Raiders. 
three. Right. We really that thing that pissed me off the most with uh, with uh, Gruden was in week two after you after you already traded Khalil Mack for like you said for no good reason. He comes on and his press conference and he says. Getting pass rushers is hard to find, man. I'm like, are you serious, dude? You had the best pass rusher in football on your team, and then you get rid of him. So That's let me like, let me seriously? let me just say this: I understand why they got rid of him. Like the the reason they had so much money tied up in Derek Carr for them for them to then tie up that much money in uh, in Khalil Mack also like to get, to give Khalil Mack what he wanted long term. I mean, that would have, they would have just destroyed their cap with those two guys and they weren't winning the Super Bowl anyway. So, you know, I, I get why they did it, but again, they turn around and they give all this money to Antonio Brown. So whatever, but, um, exactly. That's what I'm saying. I mean, to me, I mean, it just, it just, it lets me know that in my opinion, the game has passed John Gruden by. Like if you're going to break the bank on a guy, you'd rather break the bank on a pass rusher than a receiver, right? Without question, without question. So of course, like like uh, in, in in true groom fashion, now he has to go out and get himself a pass rusher. So Josh Allen's off the board. Nick Bosa's off the board. So in my opinion, they, they they don't need to be messing with Derek Carr's psyche any more than he already has. They don't need to be trying to trade up. Although I won't be surprised if he traded up with the Cardinals, for example, and took Kyler Murray first. I I would not be surprised about that at all. But for me, and for this, and for this point here in the draft, if they're stuck at four, I don't want to mess with it. I would stick, stay right where I am, and I'm taking Montez Sweat, the defensive end or edge rusher from Mississippi State. So he has shot up draft boards after he crushed the combine. Dude, dude yeah. just murdered the combine in first degree. You know what I'm saying? Like. I think his his forty time is like the fastest for a defensive lineman ever, or something like that. And like, yeah, something like like his forty time is like faster than Saquon Barkley's, or some kind of craziness. Maybe not literally him, but like, yeah. uh, you know, what I'm saying like speedsters. Like, I think he was faster than, or it might have been high. It might have been it might have been faster than uh, Tyreek Hills or something like that. Like guys that are like yeah. known, you know, burners. And like his his forty time was faster than this, and he just made himself a boatload of cash at yeah, that at, at that. And so Montez Sweat, I mean. I'm not – I don't think – I think most – you must be pretty high on him because I think most people seem to have him projected a little lower than fourth. I mean, that's that's lower than what I've seen um, – or that's higher than what I've seen him projected in most mocks. But that's – you know, mocks are dumb. We already covered that. Uh, picking fifth, um, Tampa Bay, they're 5-11. and 11. Uh, They also replaced their coach. Now Bruce Arian is in the fold. Um, he thinks he can fix Jameis Winston. Good luck with that. They actually picked up their fifth-year – option on Jameis um you know it's now or never for Jameis Winston man like I mean and ironically Tampa Bay actually had the best passing attack in football last year but I think that has less to do with the play of Jameis and Ryan Fitzpatrick than it did the fact that they had the worst defense in football last year uh just about they gave up 29 points a game which was 31st in the league um they need defense or they need help on at the corner spot and the linebacker spot for sure and they hired Todd Bowles to fix the defense mark this is our second pirate team in a row we went raiders then we went bucks okay <laughs> what are the bucks doing what do you think they should be doing the bucks are you just hit the nail on the head for me um they need help on the defensive side of the football and the area that I'm looking at uh, if you remember Quan Alexander left um and, and and left left the team. They are they are decimated at linebacker. In my opinion, the best linebacker in this draft. There's not too many really good line uh, linebackers. 
but this person stands out to me a lot, and, and he definitely has to stand out to me a lot in order for me to pick him with the fifth pick in the, in the draft, and that's Devin White, the linebacker from LSU. Yeah, man, um, you got to get help on the defensive side of the ball if if you're the Buccaneers, and Devin White seems like he could fit that bill. You know, I mean, the dudes, he, he went to LSU. You know them dudes can, can run like crazy down there, right? Uh, no, seems like a decent enough fit. Um, picking sixth is the New York Giants. I don't know where to begin with this team, man. They're they're also five and eleven. Um, <laughs> I, I I just can't I can't I can't with the Giants. I can't like this was like a flagship NFL franchise for so many years. They were always known for being the the grown ups in the room, the smart people in the room, and they just keep going further and further in on Eli Manning. They still think that Eli is good. Like I don't. Yeah. I can't understand where that's coming from. That they think that Eli Manning is is this good. Um, they they traded away Odell Beckham and they replaced him with Golden Tate. They let Landon Collins go in free agency and they replaced him with Jabril Peppers in the Odell Beckham trade. Uh, and as Browns fans, we can both attest that Jabril Peppers stinks, but the Giants were psyched to get him. <laughs> and. And they're pretty much wasting Saquon Barkley's prime years because, you know, running backs don't have that great of a shelf life. Saquon, I think, has Hall of Fame potential. I think he's already, at worst, probably the second best running back in football. And he might be the best running back in football since we don't know what's up with Todd Gurley's knee. I'd probably put Saquon ahead of Ezekiel Elliott. I think he's the best running back in the game already. But there's what are they going to do with him? Like He's going to be facing 10 in the box every time now All the time. you know with this receiving core and and with Eli still at quarterback so Dave Gettleman I'm not really sure what's really hood over there but um you know it's this is this is bad it's bad for the second New York p- team picking in the top six but they need a quarterback in the worst way I just don't know if they're gonna go ahead and get one so Mark if you're running the Giants what do they do I've been torn on this one to be honest um because as much as I like Saquon Barkley um, and as much as you like Saquon Barkley, we both felt that the biggest need for the Giants last year was a quarterback. Mm-hmm. And with four quarterbacks coming out that were that we felt that four to five quarterbacks that we really felt could help that team, they passed on all of them. Well, besides Baker Mayfield because he was already gone, but they passed. I mean, I would they have passed on taking Sam Darnold. They passed you know on I'm Darnold saying? and Rosen. That's that's where it is with yeah. me. They, I mean, uh, I mean, I would have, I would have taken either one of them before be, before Barkley, and because of, because of the need and how how deep it was, how big it was. So they didn't do it. They had they had Saquon, and then on top of that, you know, they they sputtered on offense, and, and Eli was Eli, and it was just a joke. So in a in a in a smaller quarterback class. Um, to me, there's only two guys that, that that I would even consider looking at with that pick, at least with this pick at, at, at um, where they are at six. Um, one would be Kyler Murray, and the other one would be Dwayne Haskins from Ohio State. So, for me, because of the type of offense that my friend and your friend Pat Shermer runs. <laughs> A trash one. <laughs> right. Um, I'm looking at Kyler Murray, quarterback, Oklahoma, with the sixth pick in the draft. 
that would be interesting to say the least if Kyler ends up I mean he won't but I mean if he were to if he were to end up in New York that would be fascinating stuff and you know again I'm still dubious on on his NFL prospects to say the least but um the Giants got to get a quarterback man I mean they've been they've been waiting around for far too long and this you know this has to stop (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this has to st- it has to end at some point. I mean, I've been going in on Eli Manning on Hip Hop Sports Report for six, seven years. I, I mean, like, I mean, like the the website's only six and a half years old. I've been going in on Eli Manning for about six of them years. Like, he's been garbage. Like, he's been garbage for so long, man. Like, I mean, I ethered that dude eons ago, and he's still yeah. the quarterback of the Giants somehow. He got benched for yeah. Geno Smith, and he's still the quarterback of the Giants, and he got benched for. Davis Webb, and he's still the quarterback of the Giants. I just don't understand how he's still alive, man. He's pushing forty, like, and he wasn't good when he was thirty. I mean, he just happened to win a couple. I mean, he happened to win a couple Super Bowls, and he was good in those runs. But you take those two things away. I know it's easy to say, "Well, take take away Super Bowls," but if you take those two things away, his whole career has been underwhelming. He's just been there for a long time. But anyway, uh, Jacksonville picks seventh. Uh, the cautionary tale team of the NFL, they, um, they're what the Cleveland Browns ought to worry about, like a team that actually had real success two seasons ago and wound up. Not only did they not reach the heights that they reached the year before, but they didn't even make the playoffs last year. They were terrible. That's why they're picking in the top 10 now. They, they, you know, they had a great year when nobody saw them coming. They got all the way to the with a lead, a, a double-digit lead in the fourth quarter of the AFC Championship game. And from there... They just crash back to earth to the point that they're, you know, they they are just a mess and <clears throat> nobody really knows what's going on with their defense. They just have a lot of question marks. They let go of Blake Bortles. They brought in Nick Foles. Um, why is this going to be different for Nick Foles this time? We don't know. I mean, we, he's been given the keys of the franchise before. It hasn't worked. Um, the defensive talent is there, but they it just wasn't good last year, or at least not as good as it was. And and of course the offense was second worst in the league. So, how are you fixing the Jags, Mark? Well, they have to. Quite honestly, the best way to fix them was at the quarterback position. Um, Nick Foles, for for the time being, is a stopgap. Um, me personally, for them, I, I would. They're going to try to start Foles. It. To me, it makes no sense for them to draft a quarterback because Foles is already there. Um, so if this Foles experiment is going to work, they're going to have to, A, protect him, and B, get him weapons. So the first thing I would do for the, for based on what we have already is I would protect him. So for me, I would stay in the state of Florida, and I would take, in my opinion, one of the best offensive tackles that, that's coming out, and that's Jawan Taylor the offensive tackle from Florida, and I will put him at left tackle, and I will protect uh, Nick Foles and start that process of, of, of beefing up the line of scrimmage because you were right that both both uh, their, their offense and their defense let them down last year, and I think part of it had to do with both lines. I think the defensive line was not as good, and that made the back end terrible, and the same thing with the offensive line and the quarterback not being good, and that made the offense terrible. So we'll start there. We'll start on the line first and work our way back. Well, the good news here in this case for Jacksonville is that they'd be getting the number one offensive lineman off the board. It's it's weird when you pick seventh, you know, and then you end up 
with if, if you're like picking a quarterback, for instance, like the Bills, I think, picked seventh last year and they took Josh Allen. But Josh Allen was the, the third quarterback off the board. So it's like, you know, it's like, yeah, you're getting your quarterback of the future, but like he's the third guy off the board. You know what I mean? So I don't know. Um, it's it's nice that, that they'd be getting the number one lineman in this scenario. Picking eighth is the Detroit Lions. Um Matthew Stafford is still their quarterback. He's been there for about 10 years and has earned them nothing in those 10 years. Um, I mean, the the Lions, they're, they're just like the forgotten franchise in the NFL pretty much. I and mean, we only care about them one day a year, and that's Thanksgiving. If it, ain't thanks, if it ain't Thanksgiving morning and you're waking up after sleeping in late and you're waking up and you roll over and, and it's like, oh, snap, I forgot his football on this early. And then you turn on the game, and it's the Lions, and they're already down fourteen to nothing. Like that's the only time of the year that you care about the Detroit Lions. Like let's just keep it a hundred. But um, you know, Matt Patricia came in; his season peaked when he beat the Patriots on Sunday Night Football. After that, the Lions turned back into the Lions. Um, although in their defense, they were in a tough division. But Kenny Galladay had a breakout season, and and uh, and then they went ahead and got Trey Flowers in the offseason and Danny Amendola from the Dolphins who is formerly from the Patriots. So they're trying really hard to recreate the Patriots over there in Detroit. So uh, what's the move there for the lions at number eight? Well, let's, let's it was going with your theory about them making themselves the, uh, the, the Midwest Patriots. Um, the one thing, the one critical thing that they're missing, if, if in fact, Matthew Stafford is, is, is playing the role of the, of the Midwest Tom Brady then if that's in fact the case, then that Midwest Tom Brady is going to need a Midwest Gronkowski. So for them, they need a weapon. They need a complete mismatch on offense. So their mismatch, in my opinion, is at the tight end position. And that tight end that that could fit that Patriots mode, so to speak, is TJ Hawkinson, the tight end from Iowa. Because not only is he... Uh, a physical receiver. He is a good, he's a uh, brutal blocker inside. And he's just a typical Iowa player. You know, Iowa players are tough. They like blocking. They like doing the dirty work. And it it doesn't uh, hurt him, the fact that he he has a a decent amount of speed for his size of 6'4", 250. He can get up and down the field and play the seams just like like Gronk can. And I think he will be a very good addition and a best friend of Matthew Stafford going forward. Yeah, and he and Matthew Stafford needs a friend because he's been overrated for more years than I can count. So, he somebody needs to be his friend, put some arms around him, hug him. As Anthony Houston, friend of the podcast, calls him old fat face Stafford. It's just I don't know what it is. He's just he's, yeah. You know what? I, I've never understood why. I mean, because he has a ton of stats, but the stats are meaningless. He's one of the few players in football that where his stats are just are just meaningless because. He piles up all these numbers, but they don't—they don't amount to wins. And he—and he really, really is not looked at as any top-tier quarterback whatsoever. I, I once, uh, quick story. I once worked in. Uh uh, well, I'm not going to tell you where I worked, but I once did some research. Let's put it that way. I once did some research okay. on a uh, a basketball player who um <laughs> who who basically had like the worst. It was either career win loss percentage. I think it was like the worst plus minus rating when they were on the court relative to the amount of points that they scored in the NBA. And it was like, and it was Antoine Jameson. Antoine Jameson had like the yeah. most points with the, the least impact of any player in NBA history at the time that I looked this up. And this is like some years ago. This is like probably about seven, eight years ago. 
Um, Matt Stafford is the Antoine James in the NFL. <laughs> is that what you're trying to tell me? <laughs> from your lips to God's ears, I don't know, man. That's just what it sounds like, man. I mean, what it looked like. I mean, if you if you were an NBA team and you built your team around Antoine Jameson as the centerpiece, wouldn't your team be performing a lot like the Detroit Lions right now? Uh, pretty much. Okay, then. Picking ninth, the Buffalo Bills. Uh, they're six and ten. Nobody's happier that Rob Gronkowski retired than the Buffalo Bills, outside of maybe the Steelers. Um, they're never the Bills are never really that good, but they're always a little bit better than we think. Um, Josh Allen was better than we thought he was going to be last year, and uh, he he basically he, he got that way because he ran like Michael Vick all year, but he also got hurt like Mike Vick. Um, the Bills have Frank Gore. They brought him in to pair with LaShawn McCoy uh, in an effort to ha- to lock down the oldest backfield in NFL history. All they're waiting to do, they're going to trade a seventh rounder for Adrian Peterson to secure it. I, I can see that in their future. Um, they might as well get Larry Zonka and Mercury Morris. You know, might as well put them back there. Jeez, yeah, I, yeah, exactly. I mean, do they allow walkers on in the huddle? I mean, if they do, then, then yeah. <laughs> Get Larry Zonka out there. I, I mean, you know, the Bills. The Bills have good players on defense. Unlike the Giants, who the Giants are uh, the fun game with the New York Giants for everybody listening. Uh, try to sit here and name as many defensive players active for the New York Giants that you can right now. I bet you you name less than one. That'd be my guess, unless you happen to be a Giants fan. And even then, I'm not so sure. But but the uh, <laughs> the Bills actually have good players on defense that they just people just don't know about them. But uh, the Bills were six and ten last year, man. And with a few tweaks, man, maybe they can sneak up on some people again this year. What say you, Mark? So this is a first. I'm, I'm, I'm we'll put it out there right now. In the in the five years that we've done five plus years that we've done this mark draft, this is the first time I've actually um, as designated have designated a trade. Okay. And I'm actually going to trade that pick from the Bills. I'm going to have have them trade down to 11, and the Cincinnati Bengals will take that ninth pick. And with the ninth pick in the draft, the Bengals are going to take Dwayne Haskins, the quarterback from Ohio State. That's an interesting theory. So there's a few things going on when you say that. Okay, so number one, what you're saying is, is that obviously Buffalo doesn't need a quarterback but they're only going to drop down two spots. So they're probably going to pick up like a mid-round pick or something like that for their troubles in addition to swapping the number ones. Then what you're also saying is that you think that Denver, who picks 10th, in spite of the fact that they just signed Joe Flacco, would draft Dwayne Haskins, or at least there's enough of a fear there that they would, that it would force Cincinnati to act and move up and move up to ninth. Ahead of ahead of Denver in order to make that pick, and then also there's an Ohio connection, of course, between Haskins and and Cincinnati, uh, given that Dwayne Haskins played at Ohio State. I mean, to say this about Dwayne Haskins, some people are like a little unsure whether he's going to translate to the NFL. He's got the size, he's got the accuracy, and let me just say, Ohio State is not known for quarterbacks. You know, there's a lot of schools that just get known for cranking out a certain position, like Penn State with linebackers, for instance. Um, Virginia Tech with defensive backs. Ohio State's position is running back. I think we all know that. They just crank out better running backs than any school, just about. Yep. Uh, and they're going back to the 70s, right? But yep. Dwayne Haskins, they're not known for quarterbacks, but Dwayne Haskins had the best quarterbacking season that Ohio State has ever seen last year. And, and, and 
Breeze's uh, record uh, for the most touchdowns in Big Ten history. You can't you, you, you can't sugarcoat that. No, I'm sorry. No, he was he was special last year. So uh, it would be an interesting move by Cincinnati. I could definitely see it happening. Um, so we'll keep that in mind. And do you have do you have? Well, I guess we'll come back to see if we have something for Buffalo. Maybe you don't have anything for Buffalo at eleven. But Denver really quick. Actually, I do. But yeah, okay. we, we can go we can go back to that. So so Denver again we 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 got Joe Flacco. Every, when I heard that Flacco was signing to the Broncos, I was thinking Flacco, like Soldier Boys there. <laughs> Drake? Drake? Flacco? Really? <laughs> the man who's been trash ever since he won the Super Bowl and never lived up yeah. to that contract? Flacco, they, the guy they, who can never know, stay they, healthy? They, they were thinking they were getting the, the Flacco from 3 4 years ago when he when he uh, the Broncos in that playoff game. That's what they're thinking. They're thinking of getting that guy, but they're not getting old man Flacco, the one who's broken up and beat up, and it really is not that good since he got his contract. It's funny, man, how how that happens. Like you see a guy light you up, and then you just assume that that's the dude that he is against everybody else. And it's like Flacco, he he, he pulled one over on old John Elway. It seems like John Elway just can't get the quarterback right, man. He he did hire Vic Fangio to to. Uh, the former Bears defensive coordinator as his new head coach, as Vance Joseph, another uh, another brother, another black quarter or black head coach, got uh, shown the door. Um, yep. uh, not too many of them floating around anymore. But uh, Phil Lindsay, Philip Lindsay, was the running back. He had a great rookie season. Uh, they got some decent young wide receivers out there in Denver, and uh, there's been Von Miller trade rumors out there too. Even speculation that he would get traded to the Browns. But there's been Von Miller trade rumors floating around out there. Um, Bradley Chubb was their top four pick last year. He had an outstanding rookie season with 12 sacks. Um, but I don't know if Denver knows what their identity is. I don't know if they know what they want to be. So if you're a John Elway, Mark, what's the move? They have to get a quarterback, man. I mean, it's never going to come into play. You saw what happened. I mean, when they, when they get, decent quarterback play they're pretty tough to beat but now i think that the league has gone so much now to offensive offensive schematic that i don't think just being able to try to have a outstanding defense or shutdown defense is going to be enough anymore because there's too many things in place now for for defenses not to have the upper hand and for offenses to to score points so in order for them to get back to any type of respectability, they have to get a quarterback. For them and for Elway, he has to get this right. And since I'm picking for Elway, the quarterback that they need to take at this particular point, is, and that was, was one of the reasons why the Cincinnati Bengals moved up and, and traded with Buffalo so they can get Haskins. I think Haskins was primed to go to Denver at 10. But now because of that, I'm going with Drew Locke, the quarterback from Mississippi, as my pick for the Denver Broncos. And at least at that, and if that's the case, there's no rush for Drew Locke to 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 play. He doesn't. He from Missouri, actually. Did you say Mississippi? No, I said Missouri. Okay, Missouri. Yeah, there, there's no rush for Drew Locke to play. So, so that's that's good in that in that instance. Um, he's he's uh. You know, I, I don't know if we know that he's going to be that great. It seems, you know, quarterbacks always just rise up to the top of every draft, and it, and it seems oh, like, gosh. yeah. And it, I, you know, I remember, I remember when um, in 2011, I think it was when Cam Newton ended up being number one, and he made sense. He won the Heisman. He 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 took his team to the national championship. All that. Cam Cam was the man. But the number. Do you remember who the number two quarterback was in that class? 
Hey, I'll I'll I'll, I'll, I'll I'll save you the trouble. It was Blaine Gabbert. It was Blaine Gabbert. Oh yeah. And well, and, well, and, and it was. Uh, on the all football on the all football show, word to my man Adam Clark. We talked about that back then on the all football radio show at the time, and it was just like in the absence of anybody else really good. Here's Blaine Gabbert, y'all. Like, and they tried to sell us that Blaine Gabbert was that dude, and we know that he wasn't. Like, but they—that's what quarterbacks do. They just float to the top. This draft at the top feels like um, the draft a few years ago where Eric Fisher went number one, and I think the Browns took Barkevius Mingo. In the top ten, oh, like yeah. it was just not a very draft. I think that was a horrible draft. It was not a very flashy draft at the top. Um, you know, it, this draft feels like it's going to be much better in the middle, in the middle round, second, third, fourth round. I, I, I don't know about the first round of this draft. I, I'm, I think it's looking sketchy personally. But um, if there was, you know, if there was ever a year to have two picks in the top ten like the Browns did, it was last year because there was talent all over the place. And so sometimes you just. You know, you just get lucky in that regard. Like you, you pick number one in the right year. You know, so um, I'm like I said, it, it's probably it, 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 we'll see how it plays out for Drew Locke and and and, and if, it, if he ends up in Denver or whoever Denver ends up with. Real quick, what was your pick for the for the Bills at eleven then? So with the Bills, you pretty much hit it on the head. They have a quarterback. I mean, even though he he, in my opinion, of the top four quarterbacks, he's the worst of the four. Um, but just like any any quarterback, you're going to need to protect them. You're going to need to have weapons. So still, even at eleven, they I don't think I don't think I would select any type of wide receiver, or anything or skill position player that high. So for me, I'm going to go with a go with a tackle because I need to protect them. There because Buffalo's offensive line was horrific last year. Also, so I'm going to take Jonah Williams, the offensive tackle uh, from Alabama, and and put him. Uh, on that offensive line to help uh, help Josh Allen out and at least have some respectability up front. So to recap really quick, um, with the first pick, Arizona would take Nick Bosa. Second, San Francisco takes Quinnen Williams. Third, the Jets take Josh Allen. Fourth, the Raiders take Montez Sweat. Fifth, the Bucks take Devin White. Sixth, the Giants take Kyler Murray. Seventh, the Jags take Jawan Taylor. Eighth, Detroit takes TJ Hawkinson. Ninth, the Bengals trade up with Buffalo to take Dwayne Haskins. Tenth, the Broncos, sadly, uh, <laughs> drudge up to the podium and take Drew Locke because they got leapfrogged. And then eleventh, you would have the Bills there taking Jonah Williams. Uh, now, Mark, let's get into let's get down to brass tacks here. We got about 15 solid minutes left, but everybody wants to know. What's up with the Cleveland Browns? They are the team of 2019. And, uh, I mean, they were the team of 2018. That's why they put them on hard knocks. They're the team of 2019. Um, I'll give you my real quick spiel about the Browns. I'm I'm happy with what John Dorsey's put together on paper. I think this team is much improved. I think the playoffs are a reasonable expectation for this team. I think the Browns ought to be in the NFL playoffs come January. I'm still not sold that this team is as good as everybody seems to think they are. I think they could have some real problems on defense, potentially, given how they finished up last season on the defensive end, and we don't know exactly what Steve Wilkes is going to bring. Freddie Kitchens is unproven, so we don't know what he's going to do. And I'm still not 100% sold on Baker Mayfield. I'm in the minority there. I think Baker had a great year, but as I said at the top of the show, Baker feasted on bum teams, and he showed 
moderate progress against good teams at best. I mean, I mean, he had some flashes against good defenses, but he also had some horrendous games against good teams and good defenses. And people seem to give him a pass on all of that. And I still think they set up my boy Tyrod Taylor. You can go back and listen to last year's podcast I did with your brother, my cousin Vince Hicks, about that. But I guess the first place I'll start, Mark, is, is with the draft. If you're John Dorsey, your first pick is 49th, which is the 17th pick in the second round. Who are you targeting there? What what should be their mentality? And are you looking to trade up? Uh, to answer your last question first, yes, I'm looking to trade up. And the reason why I'm looking to trade up, because as if I'm John Dorsey and I'm looking at the team overall, yes, it's the first round. The, the biggest thing is, is that down at the back end of the first round, which is why everybody's team that they love to hate the Patriots, you know, they pretty much do this almost every year is that they trade out of their, out of their pick. And the main reason why people trade up into that pick, because first round picks, you get, you get them for five years. They want to have that fifth year option for, for a player that they like. So John Dorsey's only going to trade up if they, if in my opinion, between uh, uh, 21st, and thirty and thirty second, anywhere within that range, he will try to trade up in order to get. A, if he finds a player that he really likes that falls into the back end of that first round, and he wants to secure that per, secure that playmaker for another another five, uh, extra year, as opposed to a second round pick, which you only have them for their rights for four years. So that's the biggest thing. So if I'm John Dorsey, I'm, I'm looking at a couple of different areas to try to uh, help the team. You mentioned it already. The biggest, even though they made all these improvements on offense, which I think they're going to be, if, if everybody plays to their potential, the offense is going to be dynamic. Yeah, and by the way, we, we've gone all this time. Have we? I don't know if I mentioned Odell Beckham's name yet. Yeah, the Browns traded for Odell yeah. Beckham Jr. I think I mentioned him yeah. when I talked about the Giants briefly. But yeah, like let me just say that again. The Cleveland Browns traded for Odell Beckham Jr. How crazy is that? That is, it makes no sense to me. <laughs> you, I mean, you have you have a, a, a outstanding wide receiver receiving core, probably one of the top five wide receiving cores in football. Some people will say it's you know, the best. That move. I mean, I, I would probably say it's the best, but I got. I mean, I would have to see how that plays out. On I mean, on paper, it look they look like they're the best wide receiving core in football. But you know, you have to you have to play it on the field. Um, and you know, like you, I wasn't the biggest Baker Mayfield fan, I, although he did impress me. But from the standpoint, because he showed me some things that I didn't think he had last year, and despite the fact that he didn't do well against you know pretty good you know defenses. Um, I still have to have to lever, have to leverage that, you know, just for the simple fact that he was a rookie. And he see, I don't want to, I don't want to give him that pass. I don't want to give him that because everybody well, acted like he was the greatest thing since sliced bread when he played well, yeah, well, well against yeah, the bum teams. You know what I mean? Else, yeah, yeah, that's I, true. I, but I, I just, don't, I you know, you I just don't that. like how people like, you know, I have friends of mine try to tell me like I would debate with them like. Was is Baker good? Is he not good? And when he has a, a a great game against a bump team, they're like Baker's the truth. And when he has a, a a bad game against a good team, it's like, well, he's just a rookie, you know. And it's like you can't yeah, you can't enough. have it I both. Mean, for me, it's rookie all the way around, right? Yeah, right. But but so, having I mean, said that, I will I will see that Baker Baker did better than I thought he was going to do last year, and 
he he really galvanized the team and then also he he didn't he wasn't nearly the scrambler that I expected him to be. He really does yeah. keep his eyes downfield all the time. And when he does move, he's moving the throw. He's not moving to run. So I'll give him his Correct. props for all that. Mm-hmm. But um so, but anyways, back to the draft though. Okay, so I, if I'm them, you know, there's a couple areas I really want to concentrate on. Um if whether I move up or whether I stay where I'm at, because one of the, you know, one of the two of the best things about this draft is that it's, it's very, very stacked on the defensive end of the football. Um, with the, with the exception of linebacker there, they have, you know, they're pretty deep on the defensive line. They're pretty deep in the secondary. Um, with the exception of probably safety, there's not a ton of safeties that I, I would that I would uh, personally try to go for. There's about three or four that I would be looking at. So, um, um, and then defensive line where I would target, linebacker I would target if I could. Offensive linemen, I mean, they, you know, Greg, they re-signed Greg Robinson to put him back at left tackle. But, you know, there was a reason why he was available last year when the Browns picked him up. So if he was really a good, a good solid left tackle, he would have still been with the Rams, or he would have still been with with another team instead of the Browns. Is there a specific so, player that you have targeted for the Browns, either either in the second round or trading up? Um, yeah, actually, actually there is. So for from a defensive tackle standpoint, if if and this is a this is a huge if if they if this person is available. Jeffrey Simmons, the defensive tackle for Mississippi State, if he's available on the back end of the first round, I think John Dorsey will be will be trying his best to go up there and get him. Because even though he would not start initially, I think he could actually provide um, some help. And one of the reasons why the Browns were so bad on defense was their inability to stop the run. The Baltimore game, all you have to do is look at that game and see how Lamar Jackson and everybody else, they ran for like almost 400 yards on the Browns. So that that's actually atrocious defense. And even though they they, they brought in Sheldon Richardson to pair with uh, Larry Ogunjobi to, 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 to try to strengthen up that middle, they still need more defensive line help to try to rotate them to keep them fresh throughout the course of the game. So he's a target person. Another area I would look at is corner because you still need somebody who could play opposite of Denzel Ward. Um, my thing is um, there, there's only two to three corners that I personally would like. Um, one is Greedy Williams for LSU. Um, and You got to love a DB named Greedy. I, I love that. Without question. Without question. <laughs> And and the sleeper in my opinion is Justin Lane from Michigan State because not only and and yes um, he plays in Michigan State and yes another Big Ten corner um, I like the way how he plays uh, I like his physicality as, from the corner spot and you know even though it's you know it doesn't mean much to me he is an Ohio kid um, and I think he would benefit from playing at home as well just like Denzel Ward did benefit from playing at home so I think that's also a possibility um me personally I would rather go the safety route because even though Jabril Pecker Jabril excuse me Jabril Pepper stinks I'm not so I'm, I'm not sold on that strong safety position since he left 
and they brought in, you know, Eric Murray, and they brought and bring in all these other different guys. I'm not sold on on the safety position, so I personally would look at trying to beef up that safety position. Um, and for me personally, I would be looking at a guy like like a, a Jonathan Abram from Mississippi State. That would be my first choice if if I could get a safety, a box safety to go up there and play. That would be the type of guy that I would be looking for. I would be looking for him. Um, also, there's um, Darnell uh, Savage, uh, the safety out of Maryland. He's a, probably another guy I would look at. Um, and maybe on on the on the on the other side, I, I, like a Juan Thornhill from uh, Virginia. That's probably another safety that I would look at. If one of those three type of guys were there, I would probably look at them. And maybe not necessarily in that order, but um, in my opinion, Jonathan Abram is the only one that I would actually look to trade up for in the first round. The other guys seem like second round, second round talent. I would look at, them, at both of them as a possibility. And from a linebacking standpoint, if I couldn't, I mean, I would love to get have one of the bushes. If I was, if they still was at seventeen, that's personally what I would try to look at because I was thinking about wide receiver at first. But I think their, you know, their biggest need was defensively. And I and I and the more I looked at both um, uh, Devin Bush and and Devin White, the more I looked at the two of them, the more I liked the two of them. Um, but I think going forward for them, if they if they could get a uh, a linebacker, like for example uh, a Mac Wilson from Alabama to play the inside linebacker, because keep in mind also their linebackers not only are shake are shaky, they let Jamie Collins go finally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, we was we was begging for that. Uh, Joe Schobert's in the final year of his deal, and I don't know if if Dorsey wants to. Uh, you know, he, he wasn't a Dorsey guy. He wasn't no, a Dorsey he guy. A Dorsey he, guy. He's a good player, right. but he's not a Dorsey guy. Let me ask you this real quick. Exactly. Let me ask you this real quick. Um, okay. So we got about three minutes left, so we got to wrap up. But okay. um, so when I think about the Browns, obviously, I'm, I talked a little bit about Freddie Kitchens. Um, we know Dorsey likes to roll the dice on these on these questionable guys, questionable character. If they have red flags, whatever. Um, Simmons is a guy who was coming off some injuries that you mentioned, uh, the defensive tackle. He's coming off injuries, and he's got some character flags. We know that they just went out and got Kareem Hunt, but he's not going to be back until week 10. Correct. And we know that the personality of Jarvis Landry, we know the personality of Odell Beckham, we know the personality of Baker Mayfield, we know the personality of Freddie Kitchens. Mark, what if things don't go well out the gate? Like, How do we know that this team is ready to grow up and be a playoff team this year because I just I just you know I, I I'm not like I said I'm not quite as bullish on the Browns as everybody else is for this year only because I just have to see how they're going to respond when things don't go well when they get punched in the mouth a couple times when they drop a game that they're supposed to win if they come out and lose against Tennessee in week one because Tennessee's got a decent team or if they turn around and and they they drop a few in a row they play the Rams and then they play you know they have that stretch where they play like the Patriots and the Seahawks like there's like a buy in between and then at Denver I think like they got some tough games in there like if they go on a little losing streak if they lose three games in a row if somebody gets hurt if Beckham's not getting the ball enough if if the media starts closing in how do we know that this team is equipped to respond and how do we know that Freddie Kitchens is going to man the ship we have no idea, and I think that's that's 
that's the the biggest question mark of the of the entire football season because when everything is going well, you know, it, it doesn't matter who, who's getting the football. It doesn't, especially in the beginning, unless you're Duke Johnson. Um, right. You're, you know, it doesn't matter who's getting the ball. It doesn't matter who's making plays. It doesn't matter who's getting interceptions. It doesn't matter who's throwing touchdowns. It's all, at, at, in the beginning, all that matters is winning. And I think it's going to be critical for the Browns to come out the gate winning. Because it's going to set the tone for everything else going forward. Because if they establish the point where they feel that they can play with anybody, even in a situation where they start losing and losing games in the, like the middle of the season with those with those situations that you just brought up, they can still be galvanized at the point to real to, to know that they can play with anybody. They just need to get back to what what made the what they what made things work in the beginning of the season. If they start out in a negative sense, like you said, if they lose to Tennessee, if they start losing the teams that they're supposed to beat, they are so, that they are really and truly supposed to be, like uh, like the like the game against the Jets in Week Two. You know what I'm saying? They're they're, they're 0 and two coming out the gate. Then all of those different things that you just brought up are are in play, and you have a lot of volatile personalities in that locker room. Right. That's that's what I'm worried about. Yeah, then it turns to Freddie Kitchens, the person that you know the least about. Because you know about everybody else, at least within the, within the, the confines of a football game. You don't know that much about Freddie Kitchens, and especially Freddie Kitchens as a head coach. It's going to be imperative for him as a leader to set the tone on how to, how to get themselves out of that or dig themselves out of that hole, to give them the confidence to know, okay, we're down right now. We can come back and, and do what we need to do. Right, but it starts with him. Right, Mark. And then it tracks trickles down to everybody else. Yeah, I was like, I don't mean to cut you off, man, but we got to get out. Thank you for joining us, man. Audio issues aside, I think this is our best Mark draft yet. Probably because yeah, the Browns aren't picking that. in the top ten, right? Yeah, exactly. All right, it, it starts with them. <laughs> yep. Thank y'all for joining us. Rest in peace, Nipsey Hussle. We love you, Nip. We out of here. Peace. Yeah.